Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cool, let's just do it one more time. Why? Because we love making movies. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron Jellabolo and welcome to my podcast, Because We Love Making Movies. Today we're talking to two very exciting filmmakers, the writer-director and cinematographer of the fantastic new horror film, Barbarian. Now I grew up on horror movies, it's the reason I wanted to make movies, movies like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead 2, movies that are perfect to me because of how terrifying they are, but also how original they are. And Barbarian sits in the same class as those films. It's scary, it's disturbing, it's surprising, and in its own beautiful batshit way, it's hysterical. So without further ado, the real landlords of 476 Barbary Lane, Zach Krieger and Zach Cooperstein. Welcome and thank you for doing this, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm such a huge fan uh, of the film. And I guess, uh, Zach, I just wanted to start with um, how, how, you know, how did you come up with the idea? How did you, how did you start writing? And uh, when did you, when did you kind of know it was going to be a script? Um, I started it in 2018. I, I didn't, um, I didn't think I was writing a movie. You know, I, I write just kind of as, as a fun hobby in my garage uh, at night a lot. And, um, I just wanted to write a scene that felt like a fun scene, you know, really it was just for me. It was like the, the same way a little kid colors with crayons, you know? So I go in there and I, I turn, I have like these colored light bulbs. I turn them all red. I put on this really evil, sinister music, ambient music. That's just kind of like pulsing doom. And then I, I, I'm in there. My wife is like, she'll poke her head in and be like, what the fuck is happening in here? And I'm like, get the fuck up. And then I like, you know, do my thing. Um, and I just wanted to just like have fun. So I just, I thought of a double booked Airbnb and it felt like a really ripe scenario to explore tension. And, and specifically, you know, I'd read this book, the gift of fear that talks about the, um, the different psychic landscapes that men and women occupy. And, um, and I wanted to just kind of explore that. So I wanted to, to, to load an interaction between a man and a woman with a lot of, Little red flags that might not be sinister on their face, but in concert with one another would would be overwhelming. And so I I um I just gave the character Keith a lot of like really little micro red flags that he could perform that would give any woman um some some issues. And and that was it. It was just supposed to be, you know, 20 pages. I just kind of kept going and I started liking it. And then, you know, I got her under the house. And at that point, I kind of figured I was writing a story where he was the bad guy. And then once they get under in the tunnels and everything, I was like, well, there's really nothing I can do that's going to surprise anybody. Like this is, this is everybody knows from page one when he opens the door, you know, that he's bad. And I was just like, this fucking sucks. And so I just, in a moment of frustration with zero forethought, I just wrote like when a giant naked lady comes out of the darkness and smashes his head to pieces. And I was like, well, now I, now I like it. Now it's, this is fun. And so then I just kind of kept going. I was like, what could happen? And, and then, you know, it kind of everything fell into place in my mind, like kind of, I, I, I want to say like kind of instantaneously, like I was like the beach, an actor, 
he owns the hat. Like we'll go into it. And I, it just kind of like, it was weird. Wow. It just kind of just like shifted into focus for me. And, um, you know, I wrote it really, really fast. Now, not to say it wasn't really hard work. Once I got done with my first draft, I go back and I agonize for, for, you know, over a month of just like tweaking and polishing and adding and removing and all that. But, um, yeah, it really was never supposed to be a movie. You know, I didn't think of it that way as I was writing it. Wow, because one of the things that I, I told I told Coop when I, I called him, we caught up, I was like, I was like, I'm fucking in love with this movie was that, you know, the structure of it from a script, just from a screenplay perspective has this kind of Pulp Fiction, non-linear, mm. non you know, very, very fantastic. The way you tell the story is exciting. You know, it's, oh, it's, you. it's novelistic, but it's cinematic. And that to me is always, I mean, A, it's, it seems like it's so difficult to get a movie like that made or at least get it through yeah. the development gates without them fucking up your, your script. So when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is such a confident script. Uh, uh, and what, but, but what I, I guess what I find really interesting is you started out as an actor and more specifically, uh, an improv actor and it sketch. sounds sketch. Okay. Uh, uh, it sounds like you almost apply that to your screenwriting in a way that you allow yourself to, to just spin off into, into scenarios and yes. And I guess maybe, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose that that must be part of it. You know, I mean, it's a muscle that I've been building over a long, long time, uh, you know, and so uh, maybe that's just naturally the way my mind works. Wow. And I guess, uh, and because I want now I want I want to get to the to the making of the movie with 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 you and Coop. But uh, how how hard was it to get the movie made? And nobody wanted it uh, for years, for for, for years. Uh, you know, I made a uh, I sent it to everyone I knew. Everyone I knew said no. I went on Wikipedia and I and I and I looked up every horror movie that had been made in the last 15 years and I put together a spreadsheet of every production company. And everyone that was still in existence, I sent the script to. And every single one of them said no. Um and I was just at this point where I I I just I was obsessed and I I'm stubborn. Um and I was like, if I have to sell my house and go into major credit card debt, and maybe I can scrape together a million bucks and beg, borrow, and steal favors to get this thing made, then maybe that's what will happen. And at the at the eleventh hour, when that was really seemed like the only possible path forwards, uh, I got it to these guys at Boulder Light, and they um, they got it. They were the first people that were like, "Oh, we don't need to change anything," because some people were interested, but they wanted to to sand down every edge that I thought made it unique. Right. You know, like right. you can't introduce a character on page 50 and nobody wants to follow a rapist for 30 pages and all that. And I was just like, well, you, you're not the right partner for me, but those guys got it. And they got it to Roy Lee, whose company had passed a year ago. Wow. It never got to him, like some reader, some junior, you know, employee, like threw it in the garbage. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but then they made Roy read it and Roy got it immediately and called me the next day. And we, and fr from that moment wow. on, we were on to the, off to the races. Um, but that was years. That was years after I'd, I'd written it. I mean, it was it was really a slog. Um, I can't even remember what your question was. No, I no, that, that that's just how hard it was to get the movie made. That that absolutely answers it, I guess. Yeah. And so, so when you um, did you when when you did get a green light to go, was it after you had cast people or how was no. it? No, no. So then, so then once we got the green light, we raised some money, like three million bucks, three and a half. And then we started casting and I got George first, Georgina Campbell. And then I got Bill through the Roy connection. That was a big coup. Huge. And then our financier died at the 11th hour and we, the movie was canceled. And, um, and we were going to lose, you know, everybody. We'd already been, Zach, we'd already been like doing prep and sets <laughs> were being designed. And, you know, everything wow. was like, the train was moving, but the money got yanked. It was like just a few days before we were about to fly out to Bulgaria. 
It was the day of my going away party. Um, <laughs> I'm at my going away party. Congratulations. And I just got the news. Everyone's like, it's so exciting. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. My movie's been canceled. I don't know why I'm here. I showed up, but it's uh, goodbye. Um, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, dude. But then, you know, that was a Friday. And on Saturday, Roy gave it to New Regency and was like, I need you to read this today. And they did. And I got on a Zoom with them that day. And on that Zoom, they upped to the budget by a million bucks. So we went from three and a half to four and a half. And they were like, go make it. And, and they were very clear. They're like, we'll sell it. Like, just go make it. We're going to do you a favor. And then we're going to sell it to some, you know, at some festival. We'll sell it off. And, you know, you'll get to you get to make your movie, but it's like no skin off our teeth. Like they, the, the, they don't make movies. The cheapest movie they'd ever made prior to that was his house for like $12 million. So we were like nothing to them. Sure. So I think they were just trying to keep their relationship with Roy good. And so they're like, yeah, if if Roy needs this, okay, cool. Um, wow. But, but whatever, dude, I don't care. So we have to go make the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I actually, I said that to, to Coop as well, because when I saw when I saw that New Regency was one of the producers, I was like, oh, wow, you know, because I think one of the, mo- we can talk about this uh, near the end is like, the most exciting thing for me was seeing a movie like this in a theater. And yeah, I saw cool. I saw it opening weekend, it was fucking packed, and you guys did fantastically. And I just think like, it's like, no, movie theaters are not dead. It's still communal, especially horror movies. It was so exciting yeah. to see a film yeah. like this, you know? So that, that, I was like, wow, it felt like everybody got behind the movie, uh, you know, like they should have, uh, which is really cool that, you know, it gives everybody hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's been uh, amazing. I remember the, uh, I remember the programmer at, uh, the premiere kind of being so excited that it was a, a studio movie. It's like a studio horror movie. It's so hard to come by. And then seeing the, uh, the 20th century lights going and the opening wow. just like blows my mind. So, amazing. Yeah. And how did, and how did you guys meet? Uh, uh, how did you guys meet and, and, and start? Uh, yeah. How did you guys meet? Well, so Zach had done uh, The Vigil, which is a horror movie that the Boulder Light guys had produced. And I really loved the look of that movie. I thought it was really beautiful. And so then I watched The Climb that he did. And it was was just like the technical agility of that movie was really, really impressive. So I was like, wow, if he can do this and that. And then I watched Eyes of My Mother. I was like, okay, I've just, this is the guy. Like, let's go. And so then... He was the first cinematographer I got on a Zoom with and, and interviewed, and he was the only one because we had such a good conversation. Even though he wore a, a Doors shirt, I remember he was wearing a and, and shirt I was, for and the I Doors. And I, and I was like, and I'm never late, but I I, I don't so remember you were late. I was more offended by you wearing a the Doors shirt than you. <laughs> wow. Were no, no, Zach, if you'd been wearing that Weird Al shirt, I, I you know, our lives would have would have gone a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah, this is more offensive than the Doors. Oh yeah, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, actually, no, I prefer Weird Al over the Doors. In fact, I saw yeah, Weird Al in concert because someone gave me a free ticket and I went and I yeah. and I was expecting to like hate it and it was the best. I was like, this guy's yeah. fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, so much fun. That's how I got the shirt. <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, we, we, it was great. And and Zach's process, which I'll I'll stop talking, but Zach's process was exactly the process I was hoping that he was going to pitch. It was the process I wanted. And so we, we were just kind of like naturally in sync from the, from the beginning, in my opinion. Yeah. And Coop talk about that because obviously I'm a huge fan of your work as well. And, and we've talked before and the design of your work and this movie is very designed visually for, for, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it, it's somewhere in between like, you know, Sam Raimi and Hitchcock. It's just so fucking, so beautifully visually realized. So Coop talk about how you approach that with Zach. Yeah, and I think that design is the key word to it. it. It feels designed, and that's sort of my intention when I approach every project, that uh, we're getting into every single detail of it before we start shooting. 
Um, so I, I kind of think of the, the process, uh, if you will, as uh, multiple phases. The first phase is getting to know each other. And Zach and I uh, watched watched movies kind of uh, in tandem and had notes together, which I really liked that you put together that that spreadsheet for us to kind of put in notes on, on some of the movies that we're watching. Um, and then uh, using that to kind of build a common visual language, which we could then apply to the movie uh, and, and identify what we like and don't like, because everybody has different tastes and, and see like, well, what are we latching onto that applies to this movie? What are we latching onto that maybe doesn't apply to this movie? Um, and using that to kind of just get on the same page um, and have some, some point of reference to talk about. And then when we put that into uh, the movie itself, it's kind of crafting a, a, a story arc visually that uh, that tracks from one moment to the next, different worlds and different locations. And, uh, you know, we quickly identified the upstairs and the downstairs uh, mm-hmm. of the house as having two different looks. Um, and we talked about Fincher and Raimi uh, as the two the two different looks there. And then uh, the movie Angst was a, a big reference for oh, yeah. the, the flashback sequence. Um, and I, we basically just ripped it off. So <laughs> not even a reference. Um, that and, then, fabulous. Uh, and then, yeah. And then once we had the, the kind of clear, you know, the guidelines and the rules for what we were after, um, it was a matter of applying those to the movie uh, scene by scene, moment by moment and uh, shot by shot. And really, putting together a very detailed shot list that uh, where we're thinking about the edits, thinking about um, how we're going to transition from one thing to the next, how we're going to cover every single moment. Um, You know, I I think it's easy to sort of look at a script and and picture the obvious visual moments and say, oh, well, here is a a great moment to do a push in or some kind of big move or something. And and often directors have those things in their mind. And Zach did have those things in his mind. And, uh, and then it's up to us together to kind of, uh, put the uh, the rest put those pieces together um, and and find the the through lines from from one big visual moment to the next and keep it all designed in, in our visual language and fitting our rules and then the the last step of the process is to to go to the locations and the, and the set constructions and um, and photo boards the whole movie so we uh, use the director's viewfinder app and identify what lenses we're going to use and where the camera's going to be. And that's sort of another revision on the on the look and feel thing uh, or on the shot list uh, where we we realize, oh, you know, that that one that we pictured uh, should actually be a little bit different. Or um, or maybe when we were shot with the close up, I pictured it as like chin up and Zach pictured it as collar up. And, uh, you know, by looking at it together, we're, we're confirming that this is actually where we want to be and why. Then when we get to set, you know, we just execute that and we could, uh, because we've had all the talk about it, if the actors want to do something different, if the set has changed a little bit, lighting's a little different, we could throw it all out because we have confidence in why we wanted to do all those things. Um, and then, uh, but for the most part, I'd say 99% of the time, we just shoot in exactly what, what we've executed and, um, or what we've planned. Um, mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's up to me to light it and back to work with the actors. And, and then we get to you know, do our job. <laughs> no, I mean, it really shows. I mean, and, and it felt like also that each sort of actor movement of the movie had its own, you know, had its own visual style that sort of, uh, uh, shifted with the story. And, but the one thing I did notice was like, there's a there was a, a a really cool blend of restraint where the camera's not moving and and creeping and then so that when it does move it it makes you you know you feel you feel it you know which I thought was really really cool and and impactful and and I guess I mean uh, uh, talk about how you you sort of you know maybe did you think about each kind of act of the 
of the story in, in different visual ways. I mean, obviously the, the flashback, which is just, is really beautiful. is just amazing. Uh, uh, you know, did, were, were those, were, you know, uh, was that in your guys' mind when you were, when you were designing the movie? Absolutely. And I think, uh, to your point about the, the sort of difference between, uh, the stillness and the, and the fast moves. Um, I think as we were shot listing, we were calculating like the, the ups and downs of each moment and you want to have that contrast. And if you live with the whole movie, you know, at a 10, then it doesn't work. And, and the audience isn't going to be along for the ride because they're going to get tired of, of everything being so energetic. Um, so you have to have those lulls and then the moment of emphasis. Um, so yeah, we're, that's definitely in our minds. Awesome. And, and uh, uh, let's talk about your actors. Cause your cast is just lights out all the way through. I mean, like Georgina is, is really just fantastic. And, and Bill and the tension with them in the beginning, like you were saying, Zach is just fucking so great. And di I mean, did you, did you work with them? Did you rehearse with them? Or were you just in a position where it was like, they came, they had it. And it was more about dialing it. I mean, how, how do you generally like to work with actors? Uh, it was kind of, they came and they had it. We, we just didn't have a whole lot of time, you know, right. like Bill, we had him for a total of one week, you know? Wow. So, um, I think we did one read through in the hotel conference room, like the night before we started. And it was, it was a, it was a stressful, um, uh, week leading up to that read through. Cause Bill hadn't shown up and I was like, I hope, I hope this is okay. And then we went down, it was late at night and they like, they just sat across and I was like, no acting. Like, we're just going to read it out loud. Just the three of us. And, and we'll just, we'll just see how it feels. And it was just immediately obvious just from them reading it. I was like, we're going to be fine. This, this is great. And so, yeah, they are both really, you know, really great actors. You know, George is just shows up so, so ready. So, so equipped. Take one. She's like, throwing fastballs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so it was just a, it was kind of just a joy to just, uh, just shoot them. And then all I had to do, you know, is just, just give little parameters like, Hey, like if that was a 10, try an eight, you know, like that's kind of the extent of the direction that I, that I had for them, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, dial up the, uh, smile just a little bit on the next one. And, and that's it. You know, I didn't have to get in and like try and reprogram anything, you know, like, well, you know, your dad died when you were a kid. So now you got, you know, like that's, that's not part of it. You know, it's more of just like more energy, less energy, you know, that's all. If I could add to that though, I mean, just watching you work with them was, was phenomenal. Like going from one take to the next, those little adjustments really showed on camera and oh, good. You know, that, and I, and I feel like uh, I could see the the changes from take to take and see the variations you were trying to get uh, for the edit, you know, it, it totally worked. And, yeah. and yes, they brought a lot to it, but I, I was just so impressed with, with, you know, you made those micro adjustments, but it was also the relationship you had with them that was uh, amazing to kind of build the performances and get them to, you know, uh, dealing with different personalities too. I think they, they were bringing different things to the table and you handled it expertly. So. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. And Zach, were you thinking, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure you were obviously in prep, but as you're shooting, you know, how do you kind of approach sort of pacing and, and like, like Coop was saying the, the, the peaks and the valleys in terms of like the rhythm and the flow of the movie, you know, because I mean, I found having just done my first feature, that was kind of the, the hardest thing to always gauge is, you know, are we, are, are we, are we in a rhythm visually and, and emotionally and, and, and how, and just, just being conscious of it, I guess. I mean, do you try to, to, how do you, how do you keep that in your mind? Or you just, you just try to sort of fill your way through it scene by scene? I really just feel my way through it. Honestly, like my, my, my kind of whole modus operandi is to try and eliminate my conscious mind. 
at, at every phase of the process from the writing to the directing to everything is I try and just really have my antenna, uh, my subconscious antenna, let that be as alert and as open to any sort of creative vibration as I can possibly get. That's the only way that I know to do this so that I can be receptive when anyone on set has a good idea. You know, I want to get me out of the way and just like, think about like, you know, channel that into what's going to be on the screen. So I really don't, um, I don't think about much. I, I just, I, if something feels right, I don't question it and I just move. It's, it's, I'm trying to be, be very intuitive. Um, Zach, does that ring true to you? Does that seem like what the process yeah, was? For this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from, from my perspective, you were incredibly open to, to all kinds of ideas. And, you know, I've often framed it as like a, a productive debate that we had where you knew exactly what you wanted. But every time I brought up something that kind of challenged that, you were like, super interested in it and wanted to talk about it. And then we would work together to find out, is that a, a good challenge or does it make sense to kind of stick with the norm? Um, and I, I feel like that shows on screen and it's, it's I truly think so. like a meeting of because, the minds. Yeah. As a, you know, the best thing, one of the best qualities I think any director could have is the willingness to, to let the best idea win. Because if I go into this, thinking I'm right about 100% of the things, then the ceiling of the movie's quality is where my imagination ends. And that's not good enough for me. You know, I want I want it to be better than I can do. And like, it's a collect, I'm not a painter, you know? This isn't like a novel I'm writing. This is a movie that there's hundreds of people working on. So like, you bet your ass I want to farm out all the brain power that I have access to. And I want all of that to go on the screen because at the end of the day, that's just going to make me look better. It's going to make the movie look better. It's like, you goddamn right. I want people to come to me with their good ideas. And I hope they're all better than what I had. You know, I, I should be so lucky as to be surrounded by talented people like Zach, who are going to like improve it. I mean, I would say, Zach, we probably 50% of the shots. And I would say I had an idea for every shot in this movie, but I'd say 50% of the shots are yours and 50% of them are mine. You know, I think that's totally close true. to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's Which, awesome. In my mind means the movie's 50% better than it would have been if I'd shot it by myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> well said. That so let's talk a little bit, spoiler alert. Let's talk a little bit about the horror uh, uh of of the of the project because the 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 kind of naked woman sort of you know, giant baby, you know, where you, obviously you said this naked woman comes out of the dark. You you had that, you had that idea image came into your brain like in the moment, but when did you, how did you sort of approach, you know, creating what it ended up being with the pregnancy videos and the, and the whole strange mythology of what it is? Like, how did you, how did you arrive at that? I kind of think that once she appeared in, in my mind and on the page, it all just kind of instantly fit into place. It was like very clear to me from the moment that she stepped from the darkness, the mythologies just came with her. You know, it's like, Oh, this is the this is the missing piece of the puzzle. This is why these tunnels exist. You know, she right. is she is a relic of this predator's past. You know, she is she is just the the offspring of like all of the sexual trauma that existed here before. <sighs> and now it's her domain and like we're in her territory and it's changed, you know? It just it just felt instantly clear to me what it was. In the same way that like when I flashed to the beach and I knew for some reason, it's all subconscious, man. I really don't think about these. I, I, I really mean it. Like, I do yeah, not I believe calculate you. I anything. believe you. I believe you. I was like an actor in a convertible at the beach. And in that moment, I knew that was the right image to go to. I didn't know why. But what came with that was, like, the sexual assault allegations and that he owns the house and he has to pass through the same gauntlet. It all came in a torrent in, like, an instance. Um, 
And uh, I don't think that means like I'm a genius. I just think I, I, it was always there in, in my subconscious as I was writing and I just like discovered it at once. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I really don't want to get too deep. I don't want to get too deep personally into how it all sure the idea came from because I, I want it to be mysterious to me as well. You know, I, I, I'm a big David Lynch um, adherent. You know, his book Catching the Big Fish is kind of like my Bible. And so, you know, his process is, is the process I try and take where he, he does transcendental meditation and then out of the transcendental meditation come these, he calls them the big fish. And that's mm -hmm. really a wonderful way because out of the darkness come these ideas. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so the deeper I go, sometimes the more, more vibrant those ideas will be. And so a lot of what, what happens in this movie is a direct result of, of transcendental meditation. And like right here, you know, this is like, this is my next one. And I'd say like a good third of these note cards are fish that come out of, of TM. And so, um, it's a really, it's a really exciting way for me to to surprise myself and to be, um, you know, to to be making art that I'm entertained by. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, it, ma it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's Stephen King is famous for saying writing is self hypnosis. You know that you need to get mm. to this zone that where the story is just coming is coming out of you and you're dictating it, you know? And I love, I, you know, he's, he's another, um, a huge, a hu his process is such a, uh, inspiring process to me. He's like, you are a paleontologist unearthing a dinosaur skeleton, one bone at a time. You don't yeah. know what dinosaur it is. Yeah. You know, you don't know the shape of this thing. You're just following the bones as they come. And I love that so much. And barbarian was truly written in that, in that way. Amazing. Uh, uh, wow! You just kind of blew my mind there a little bit. But well, he, uh, is that, don't that's him. That's not me. No, 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 no. Just, just. By the way, Zach, did you see that Stephen King tweeted about us yesterday? I didn't. No. Yeah, Stephen King. He, he he praised the movie. He said it blew his mind. He said I was that's totally cool. blown away. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> hey now. Amazing. Good enough for him. Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What that. were, uh, uh, I guess, uh, 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 just to kind of back up a little bit, um, Zach, how, so how, how did you get into, into filmmaking and, and, and just tell us a little bit about, about your, your journey to becoming a director and to make the leap to become a director. I always wanted to be a director since I was like six, you know? Um, I remember I saw the behind the scenes of this movie, the black arrow on the Disney channel, which is like a movie no one's ever heard of, but just the behind the scenes I was more interested in than the movie. Um, and so my whole childhood, I just want to like pretend I was a movie maker. I didn't want to pretend to be a cowboy. I want to be, pretend I was making a movie about cowboys, you know. Um, and then, you know, in college, I, I, I got into this sketch comedy thing. I started The Whitest Kids You Know with some friends. And we, that turned into my career. I, I was an editor for two years after I graduated college. And then we got the, the show picked up. And so for five seasons, I was the director of The Whitest Kids uh, and, a, and a writer of that. And then uh, Trevor and I, my 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 late uh, best friend and writing partner, uh, we we made a movie that we co-directed and co-starred and re-co-wrote, uh, and it was a big stupid sex comedy movie, and it was terrible. Uh, it was really awful, and uh, and it got like a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and made no money, it, like bankrupt the division of of Fox. <laughs> and uh, well it was, uh, I mean, they had, they literally folded. Um, I mean, that, not because of us. That movie was like five million dollars. So who cares? It, it wasn't. It wasn't because of us. It was a part of a pattern of of, of bad movies. But um, but I I was in director jail. I thought I thought nobody wanted to, to see anything from me anymore as a writer director. And that that 
chapter of my life, I, I fucked up. And so I became, I just focused on acting. And so for about the next 10, 12 years, I just, I acted in a lot of comedies and sitcoms and things like that. But I, I just knew I wanted, this was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer director. And, and, um, so I, you know, after a couple of years, I decided like, nobody cares about me enough to put me in director jail. I'm just not that important. You know, like I need to like get out of my own head and just start mm -hmm. writing. So I, I started writing a bunch of scripts and, um, you know, some are okay. Some are good. Um, uh, the best one I ever wrote was like a Batman script, uh, that, uh, I still want to make one day, but it's, you know, I knew I was not, you know, there, I knew that was not in the cards, you know? So, so maybe one day, <laughs> not, yet. Yes. not yet, yeah. not yet, but maybe one day, but, but then I wrote, I wrote Barbarian and, and I, I knew it was manageable. I knew this could be made and, and, um, and it really spoke to me. And so, uh, here we are. And, uh, Coop, what, when you read the script, uh, you know, I guess what were, what, you know, just talking about things a little bit more personal and emotional, like what, you know, when you read a script like this, how do you, you know, in your mind, what do you feel like you connected to in it? And, and, and what was it about it that made you say, wow, I really, I really want to fucking, I think I can tell this story. I think I need to tell this story. Uh, I mean, it was just a thrill ride to read. I've, I've read a lot of, uh, a lot of horror scripts after doing Eyes of My Mother and The Vigil. I, I just get sent a lot of horror scripts and they're all pretty, middle of the road in some ways uh, and feel like, uh, you know, I've seen that movie before, but when I read Barbarian, I was like, I have never seen this movie before. Uh, so <laughs> I want to make that one. For uh, sure. And, and it was a fast read. Like, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm a pretty slow reader. And when I get handed a script that I can like flip the pages on and, and get to the end within a, you know, couple hours, uh, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, that's, that's a fun ride. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course the other part of it is meeting Zach and, and, his enthusiasm for it and his vision for it and getting a sense of his personality and the way that, uh, you know, he would want to go about directing it like that, that all, uh, was a big appeal for me as well. So kind of the, you know, uh, twofold, uh, for deciding to take on a project. And, and both of you guys have, have now made, you know, I mean, I, I have made, you know, a fair amount of movies. Uh, how, how, what do you I think? Wait, this is your third movie? First, first, really? Well, I mean, it's the first movie I've directed, but the Miss March, the, that was a, a co-directing thing. Oh, so this is your first movie? I thought you'd This made, is my directorial thought, debut, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. I stand corrected, man, sorry about that. That's all right, uh, I don't care. Uh, uh, I guess, I, okay, so to that point, uh, uh, Zach, what do you, you know, what do you think you, I guess, what was, what, what, what was, what was the thing you thought was easy that was fucking really hard and, and vice versa and, and, you know, in, in making this movie. And, and so what, are, what are maybe those lessons that you, or at least one thing that you're like, holy shit, I had no idea it was going to be like this when I, when I, I didn't when I, have any illusions that anything was going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I've been on set enough to understand like what's required and, and I knew it was going to be very challenging. Um, I think God, what's a lesson? I, I I mean, there's so many. It's like I'm having the Mr. Burns thing right now where like they, all the germs sure. are trying to get through the door and they're all stuck. And I'm like, there's too much. Um, or even a surprise. I mean, any just, you know, just, just out of curiosity. You know, I think that... I'll tell you again, and not not to bang a, a drum I've already banged, but but meditation really, really helped me even during production where like every lunch I would go meditate yeah. and... That 20 minutes of, of TM in the middle of the day, it felt like I didn't have 
a lot of times people get really tired the second half of the day. The first half, everyone's kind of going at 100%, and then you have lunch, and then everybody's like, you know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I was able to kind of bypass that through meditation, and so I was able to really, like, stay 100% attentive and enthusiastic. And not to say I didn't have total fucking moments of frustration and, and stress and all of that, and I'm sure I can be a bit of a, of a dick on set sometimes if I don't feel like I'm getting what I want. But... um <laughs> Uh, I'm like I'm studying Zach. I, yeah, me I'm too. Me too. It, my, it was right, like right, huh? Um, but, uh, but, no comment. Yeah. But you ha- also you have to. You know, there's moments where you have to be kind of a calculated asshole. Yeah. You know, and that was something that I did learn kind of the hard way. Is like there's so many moments where it's easy to take a compromise, where it's very easy. You know. Somebody has given you three versions of this thing and every version has been wrong. And now you got to send them back to make the fourth version. And it's like socially stressful. You know, it's going to add time to the schedule and you have to like do the math in your head and be like, you know, in three years, this person's not going to remember this conversation, but this movie's going to live forever. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to take the hit and I'm going to be a dick and I'm going to piss everybody off. And, uh, and I'm going to just go ahead and, and let this suck for them. You know, and I, there's nice ways to do it. I try and be as as kind and as and as and as nice as possible. But like, there's a lot of moments. I think I wasn't prepared for that. There's a lot of moments where you just have to be the bad guy. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember the contact lenses for for the mother. You know, they brought these. They were like, we can't get good contact lenses, and they just looked like shit in his eyes. They just didn't look right. And I was like, well, I don't know what we're gonna do. We have to get. We have to do better than this. And they're like, well, we don't have any options. I was like, well, I just that's just not acceptable. So we're just gonna have to. We're gonna have to like. If we have to pause and farm it out from another country, then we have to do that. You know, and just like, we, mm-hmm, what do we do? Mm-hmm. We got to fix it. And it was a lot of pushback. And, a, and, and you just have to, you have to draw certain lines of quality that you will not budge on. And, you know, I don't even remember how they figured it out, but they figured it out. And we got the eyes to look right. And, uh, and I'm really glad we did because it matters, you know, and, and movies live forever. And those, those awkward social moments don't. And um, mm-hmm. so you just have to have the the willpower to to withstand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, re- I remember we talked a lot about about that, especially with regards to the art department. And uh, I really loved working with Rusty, our, our production designer. Um, but there were a lot of things where they just had to, because of the schedule, uh, be building things in advance of our approval and and going through it. And then we would show up on the on the set construction and be like. Like this is not quite right. The walls need to move and everything needs to change. And, and that's a and big conversation, that. you know, like, oh, yeah. we have to move the wall, you know? And they would be like, well, yeah. it's built and painted. And we're like, well, and, and, and the hardest <laughs> part is that like, you could shoot the movie with the wall the way it was. Like you could probably pull it off, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be as good. And so you exactly. just, you've got to, you've got to be that guy that's like, tear it down, do it over. And they don't get it. Like sometimes, sometimes they don't see why you're doing that, but it's just like, I'm sorry. Like it is what it is. That sucks. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the stairwell was a big thing. The height of the oh stairwell. Boy. We, we fought oh, yeah. for like two weeks about that. And, you know, I think I'm really glad we stuck to our guns about it because it was totally worth it. And the, they wanted to make it maybe a third shorter than it, than it ended up being. And it needed all of that length for the stairwell to be so dreadful. Yeah, um, totally. So I'm really glad we pushed for that. And then the ceiling was a whole thing. There were so many elements of, of the set construction that, um, had to get done and redone and, and discussed and pushed for. And, uh, yeah, you're, I think that to answer your question, Aaron, it was, uh, for me, that was one of the things that, um, I was very worried about, um, and was probably harder than, 
than I thought it would be, was making the set look like a real location. I had, mm. coming off of uh, mostly shooting things on location. This was my first time doing something totally on stage and uh, lighting wise, but also just in the design of the space, making it feel real. Um, and and it being an Airbnb is kind of challenging because it's supposed to feel a little bit absent of personality, um, but uh, it needed to have something to look, you know, like it exists in a real space. And then uh, to answer your other question, something that I was worried about that ended up being uh, easier than I thought was working with the Bulgarian crew. Um, in general, I was I was pretty concerned about like, well, I, I don't know anybody here that's probably going to be a language barrier. And, um, you know, they're coming from a very different way of making movies. Uh, and as soon as I met all of our department heads, realized they were amazing and they uh, just gave so much to the movie. And I think there was a, a kind of incredible meeting of meeting in the middle where, um, you know, from, for me, I was coming to the biggest project I had ever done. And for them, they're coming from the, coming to the smallest project they'd ever done. And they, you know, know how to do the big setups and know how to you know manage the departments and all that. Um, but uh, there was an intimacy and a, and a family that we got to create that they were not familiar with, but got excited about um, that, that we were able to bring to the table. So um, by the end of it, you know, I think we loved everybody, everybody there, uh, especially Tashko, our first AD was incredible. Um, and our Gafford Zeiss was incredible. And our camera department, Evo and, uh, and Luciano, they were amazing. And it's just like so many great friendships came out of it. Uh, uh, and I wasn't expecting that at all. That's awesome. I mean, the production design and and the sets were so, are so impressive to me, and and have so much texture and feel. You know, so often, you know, movie sets or even locations that are turned into sets by movies have this flat, new feeling. And and your guys' sets just felt so textured and had so much depth. And it was just you know everything from the practical lights to the to the outside of the house to the neighborhood that it was in everything just sat so correctly in the world of the movie you know and it felt it just felt so seamless to me and i just think that's such an accomplishment i know i know how how hard that is and and obviously you guys do uh, it just, it's really, really was really impressive. And especially Thank the, you. I was, I was saying to Coop, the, the flashback, uh, you know, obviously that lens is fucking fantastic. You know, the angst, the angst lens, but just the, the recreation of, of, of the, you know, the cars and the feeling of that all was just so, was so fantastic. I guess talk a little bit about, about that, that, that particular sequence, just cause it, I just think it's so arresting. And that actor, that actor in his face. Are just, Richard Brake. Yeah. Just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. the best. I, I love Richard. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. You know, that, that it was a big, that was another big ask, you know, to, to redo, you know, we built that neighborhood from scratch. So that's 13 facades that we erected to look, wow. you know, like a disastrous Detroit. And then we had to be very specific about what we would see uh, in our flashback. And all of those surfaces had to be redone to look like the eighties. And we had to, the, the yard had to be redone. We had to paint the silo in the background, which I actually don't know if it was worth it or not. Cause you can barely fucking see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a huge conversation. Like yeah, we're going to paint the silo. Weeks. I mean, that was weeks of like, you know, cost benefit analysis. And then finally in the movie, it's like, I guess you can see it. I don't know if it matters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, our, 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 our line sure. producer would kill me right now. Like, yeah, I told on. you! <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Um, actually, that's also the biggest CGI in the whole movie is the grass. 
Wow. Uh, the, huh. the grass was, we couldn't get healthy lawns. So we Holy tried shit. spray painting the grass and it looked terrible. So then <laughs> finally it's like, that's mostly CG. The, the lawns is like, uh, and that's not, that's actually a very difficult thing because the camera's moving. And so the, the, the blades of grass are all like, they had to be like 3D mapped. And like, I mean, right. it is a lot. That was a yeah. big one. That was Especially the biggest CG in the whole movie. Wow, that is such a fantastic digital effect. That's like that's like yeah. Peter Jackson's favorite effect is a digital fly flying into a room bothering somebody. You know, like that. That's one of those like really elegant. Yeah. Your your green grasses. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> uh, 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 and I guess because I've already taken so much of your time, uh, right. but but I uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about was the kind of balance uh, of of comedy and horror in this movie, you know, much has been made about like how comic comedy and horror are kind of the same muscle and sort of brothers or, you know, kindred spirits and genre, you know, how do you, how did you guys approach, approach that, uh, that balance? I mean, particularly actually for me, one of the, one of the kind of, it, it was sort of laugh out loud, but also horrifying is the moment at the end when she sort of goes off the, mm. you know, goes off the water tower. And then also kind of the final moments that are both sad and then you know the gunshot is there's something about it that's kind of fucking hilarious in a dark dark way so how do you how do you how did you guys approach that or just did you just try to play everything straight in the situation is is what it is kind of tried to play it straight in the situation is what it is for my right. mind what do you right. think zach yeah yeah same having done you know a couple of horror movies and and not wanting to do a horror movie that's been done before not so interested in the genre of it all i'm more interested in the story and and mm -hmm. you know being true to the true to the moment um, beat by beat and i think every movie has has suspense and ups and downs and uh you have to kind of play those for the moments of emphasis i was talking about but um that isn't you know exclusive to horror or comedy and how difficult was like the last thing I asked you guys is how difficult what was it to shoot that? How did you guys shoot the sequence on the water tower at the end? I mean, how? Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is this is Zach's pure genius at work. Go ahead. Dude. Uh, so you know, we first of all the the water tower uh, wasn't originally in the script. We were standing at the uh, our very first day we got there. We're standing at the uh, at the location they had already built some of the facades, and we were a little like. All right. Why did you guys build this before we got here? But right. <laughs> we're like, where the, in the script, it was a, a church. Uh, it was supposed to be the roof of a church huh. at the end of the block. So we're standing there and we're like, where is the church going to go? And we kind of look off like down our, our little road and like kind of where that water tower is and maybe be where the church would go. We could build it. There. And I was like, and, uh, we're doomed. Like we're going to have to CGI out the water tower and build a church in front of it. And that's going to look so stupid. You know, that's, yeah. that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we're just getting to know each other. So I, I was a little hesitant, but I was looking at it. I was like, can we just use the water tower and set the scene on top of the water tower? And feeling like, is this a dumb idea? Is everybody going to hate me? And, you know, there was a bit of a pause. And I was like, oh, all right, I guess I'm doomed. <laughs> and then uh, and then Zach was like, no, I love it. Let's do that. So he, he brilliantly rewrote the, you know, the script to kind of work for the the silo i i ran up there on the day and and kind of checked it out to you know the ad was a little concerned about it everybody was worried about it but mm -hmm. um they they did some uh, structural stuff on the uh uh, the stairs, so we could actually. They say the they did, but did they really? <laughs> they did, yeah, no, no, they did. They right. did. Yeah, they definitely did. It was still sketchy. It wasn't like, you know, dude, it was uh, terrifying stuff. going up those stairs. Yeah. Really, really, <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. So, but did you guys shoot every? Like, there was no sort of like so, stage green screen work. Did you shoot well, everything? Well, so getting to that. Okay, to sorry. That. So we we uh the, we realized that we couldn't actually have the actors on top of the silo. Uh, they could do the stairs, but not not a top. 
so there's one shot where we have a stunt double. I think it's the overhead when we kind of reveal the um, the bodies on the ground. That's a stunt double on top of the uh, silo, you know, uh, safety off to it. Um, but uh, the requirement was that we needed to build the silo, the top of the silo, um, and do it on stage. Um, and everybody was saying we should do it green screen. And I have such an aversion to green screen and um, uh, just knowing that like how much more it's going to cost in the effects and uh, and dealing with green spill and trying to get the lighting to be believable. And it just, it, and then it's just a nightmare. Um, and you really just need an incredibly expensive and talented VFX team to pull that, pull it off. So mm-hmm. you're like, how can we do it practically? It, and it's at night. So we're like, maybe it's just a black background, but that made a really good point that in the deep background, you would see the, the horizon of, uh, of the Detroit skyline. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we did a little bit of looking into like, what would that look like in the distance? Um, and kind of realized it's just a, a bunch of dots, like it's a series of lights, you know, uh, street lights and, and things in the distance. Um, and then I think it was actually uh, Zeiss's suggestion originally to um, to just take some black fabric and poke some holes in the back and uh, and light it from behind and have it be kind of like twinkly stars looking in the background. So, uh, so we did a test on our, on our test day with just like a four by um, and it looked surprisingly great. We we're like, okay, that's. Maybe this is the thing. So then it was, well, let's. How much black fabric do we need, and and uh, you know, how do we poke all the holes and get it to look realistic and light all of this thing in a in a stage? Um, and there were some stages that they showed us that were too small and it wasn't really making sense. It needed to have the distance to be believable. And then the final question was, uh, how high should the horizon line be um, physically to to make it believable? And I was like, man, that's a that's a good question. So I went over to the, uh, I was like, I got to go stand on top of the silo and figure out you know, where the horizon is going to be. So I, during one of our days shooting the exterior there, I climbed up to the top. I downloaded the Sextant app on my phone. So I could figure out the angle and I was you know, sighting it uh, to the horizon. I get up there and I look and I'm like, oh, zero degrees. Interesting. Uh, did I miss something? And I try at different heights and like think about it. I'm like, no, right. Of course, the horizon is at zero degrees. So what does that mean? That means that the the horizon has to be at the same height as the camera. So I was like, well, it it, it it's going to look really believable if we can adjust it per the height of the camera because the camera's not always going to be at the same height every time we shoot there. So let's put the whole thing on chain motors. <laughs> so I pitched that to the line producer. He's like, no, come on. <laughs> 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 uh, and, uh, and I was like, but no, then we you were just like, it. please. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, we put the whole background on chain motors and, uh, for each shot, we took a a laser pointer and the level and set it at the height of the camera and then just adjusted the, um, the horizon line to match it. And you could watch it on camera. It was really incredible just coming into, uh, into reality. It looked like the, looked like city lights in the background. Um, and then we put a little, you know, a couple of like gels on a few of them, like a red one here, a blue one here, and had different colors in different sections uh, behind it just to, you know, make it feel a little bit more textured. But yeah, um, yeah no it's all completely for, yeah. practical in camera and it, yeah. y- you'll never know. It looks totally. And then your little wind machine and you're like, the wind, boom. Yeah. That's it. The wind really sells it too. Yeah. yeah. Fucking yeah. A. That is so right on, guys. But okay. but the only problem is the wind means we had to ADR every line of dialogue up there. But ah, it's not yeah. bad. There's only like, you know, a total of 20 words. So it's not a big deal. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you couldn't shoot like a whole movie that way. Basically. Right. 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 Wow, that is so impressive. Really, really fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. It's just yeah, it's just, thanks for talking to us. Yeah, man, yeah, such a thrill to, to talk to both of you. Always great to talk to you, Coop.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.